Welcome to Dr. Suzanne Howard's audio play. Thank you for downloading and I pray you are truly blessed. To get more information on Dr. Suzanne Howard's ministry, feel free to visit www.suzannemhoward.com. Thank you for listening and enjoy. We're warming up and getting started here. Hit like and hit share. Let's get it done. Good evening, Audrey and Rochelle. Good evening, Sandra, John Booker. Good evening, Maria Rodriguez. Good evening, Bianca. Good evening, Anna, Candy. Good evening. Good evening. Come on. Hello, Camille, Stephanie. Good evening. Minister Leah, Carmen, Pastor Kareem. Good evening. Hello, Nanita. Hello, hello. We're here. We're here. I, I, I did a lot, <laughs> but we are here. Good evening, Dominique. Hello, 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 Manuel. Good evening. Hello, special. Good to see everyone on tonight. Yes, Kita, night two. Cam Jackson signed in at 523. Can't wait. She has the best seat in the house. Hello. Welcome in. Hello, Carolyn and Misha. Hello, Sharita. Terry. Hi, Terry Brinson. Way back. Awesome. I see you, Lydia Cordova. God bless you. Hello, Elder Joy, Darlene Thomasina. Good to see y'all in tonight. So how are we doing? How's everyone doing? Hello, Davida. Good to see everyone came back for more, huh? Did we get our 15 minutes in? Inbox, I mean, post on the chat and let me know if you got your 15 minutes in. Let me see how you did. Really day one, but day two for our hearing but how many were able to actually get out and get some walking in? Or I just said 15 minutes, right? 15 minutes of movement in the house. Wow. Good, 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 good. Audrey said she liked and shared. Renee walked, Candy walked. I know I saw a video clip on our group page um, from Evangelist Gwen. She walked and um, Ashley, she did some um, cardio work. I saw that. Latanya got her work in. Good, Carla. Good. That's good. It's going to make a difference. It's going to make a big difference, especially going through this journey. And what about working from our journals? What about water? How many got their water in? How's your water intake? This is supposed to be dry January for all those that are, that are drinkers and they're doing a dry January. Well, how's this water January that we're doing? Six glasses. Awesome. I did journal work and water today. Three bottles of water today. Yes, I did the Giselle exercise. All right. Got my water and good. I'm glad. So let's just talk about some takeaways from last night. Um, I want to know from someone here. In your session notes from last night, what were three things that you want to work on from last night's takeaway? And last night was really about why am I here and how did I get here? So what are some of the things that you realize that are going to be decisions made or things to work on in our journal? Let's see what the chat says. 
Self-doubt. Very good. That's a heavy one. That affects decision makings across the board. Poor emotional regulation. Excellent. Y'all were listening. What else? Conflict resolution, social skills, forming relationships. Yes, it's a big deal for relationships. We really want to hit that one on the head in these 29, 28 days remaining. Oh, beautiful. Look at your hearts wide open here. Conflict resolution, understanding my emotions and how to respond effectively and not emotionally. All right. Move your seat to the front of the class, John Booker. Lorraine says relationships. Raphael said self-awareness. Destiny G says emotional intelligence, communication, decision-making. Carolyn said she wants to learn how to respond appropriately. Absolutely. In and out of the house. Stress coping. S stress coping. That's a big, big one. I think that's candy. Self-doubt. Healthy relationships. Very good. Good evening, Brother Rodney. Decision-making, procrastination, putting myself first. Very good. Very good. And what about notes? Did y'all have anything in, in your notes that stood out today that's worth a, a chat hit? What do you think? Anything else that went in your notes? Because remember, there's three pages for the work that we're doing. There's the page from our notes from the session. And then this is what we do the morning after our session. And the reason why we do it the morning after our session, because we're reflecting upon being self-aware. What changes am I experiencing from last night? What did this information do to me? Where is it resting at in me? Am I having some physical responses? Is my stomach upset? <clears throat> did I have a little bit of a headache? Um, did I wake up in a bad mood? Did I wake up lighter? So you want to make sure that you make your notes so you can look back and see what's going on. And then your session notes is what you would journal. That's just like your journal notes. Just put a journal in there. Mm-hmm. That's powerful, Carmen. EI will get you in the door. That's right. And keep you in there. All right. Good job. So let me go ahead. Um, I don't think I have anything to start with tonight. Remember, if you didn't get your assessments in, get your assessments. We'd love to see where you are now as a progress report and let you know where you are when you are done. And when you're done in the 30 days, we can tell you what areas that we found to be challenging for you and how to work in those areas. And we can set you up to work with one of us to work on that area specifically with you just for the remainder of the year. And let's, let's knock it out. Let's get it done. Um, everyone is, is ordering their books. They have their books now. They're ordering journals now. People are on Amazon ordering them. And that's good. That, that's good. That pushes us up to the top on Amazon. Um, make sure you've registered on the Wix app. Go to, or to the website, www.suzannemhoward.com. And you see the events tab and you want to register so that we can send you out all the details of the things that I mentioned throughout the sessions on here. And don't forget, lastly, you can listen to us on your favorite place where you get your podcast from. Um, we're on Spotify, Amazon, Apple Podcasts, Audible, um, this, I don't know what else we listen to Google podcast. <clears throat> you can find us there as well. We should have those updated by tomorrow and then they'll be on regularly. So in the morning, pop it in or whenever you do your 15 minutes, pop it in and reflect. Or if you're doing it on your lunchtime, 
to reflect what we're working on from the night before. That all right? Beautiful. I'm going to take a moment and ask everyone on here. Um, I live in Summers, Connecticut, and there was a terrible tragedy out here. There was a house fire and four young children from one school. What a loss that is um, from one school will not be in their seats tomorrow. And the children, um, their peers are being affected. The teachers are being affected. School bus drivers are being affected. The community is affected. And a lot of um, the states around us are also affected because it's on the news all day long. And it's heartbreaking. Um, you know, at first we were told that it was one person. And now we find out that all four of the young children so if we could, um, if you just put in the chat, if you wouldn't mind, a hashtag and just put Summers Strong on there and let them know that we're praying for them. Summers Strong. We're praying for them. It's so heartbreaking. The oldest was 12. The youngest was four. Ah, it's horrible. And the neighbor who tried to get in the house said he could hear him screaming. And that's why he went in and tried to get in. And he burned himself that the fire was so bad. So we just ask God to be with that family. And we ask that the ministering angels minister peace when it seems impossible, bring hope when it seems that they're just completely hopeless and to allow this family to be brought together in another way than they have ever been before to allow them time to grieve and to share their emotions but also allow them the time to come together and begin to repair their broken hearts, and their contrite spirits. We pray for that entire family in Summers, Connecticut, and the neighbors who lost their home as well. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you all for that. All right, let's start here today. We're going to start from the role of a life coach in enhancing emotional intelligence, and then we'll start chapter one. The role of a life coach in enhancing emotional intelligence is a profound skill. It's skill. You want your coach to be skilled and you want to understand, again, emotional intelligence is a profound skill, but nonetheless, it's a skill. That means it can be improved upon and it's a profound skill that can transform lives, but the journey to mastering it can be challenging to navigate by yourself. This is where the role of a life coach becomes invaluable. A life coach serves as a trusted guide and mentor, offering support, insights, and personalized strategies to enhance your emotional intelligence and overall well-being. They offer personalized guidance. Number one, a life coach tailors their guidance to you, your unique goals and needs. They assess your current emotional intelligence helping you identify strengths, not just weaknesses, identify strengths and areas for improvement. With this personalized approach, you receive targeted advice and exercises that align with your specific challenges and aspirations. Secondly, accountability. How many know we need that to get most things done in our lives, in the world? We need accountability. Building emotional intelligence requires consistent effort and practice. A life coach holds you accountable for your growth, ensuring that you stay committed to your EI journey. They provide encouragement. They track your progress and adjust strategies as needed to keep you on the path to your success. Thirdly, they offer feedback and reflections. It's oftentimes hard or difficult for people to receive feedback from um, those that um, are in a work relationship with them. 
they feel intimidated or they feel that when this peer or this superior is finds out that they don't know something or they need a skill, they feel that it's going to prevent them from promotion, that it could prevent them from being seen in the respected position that they're in. So this is a big reason why people will hire a life coach is because it's a safe place and it's a, a, a safe space for you to grow and for you to fail. And for you to, to be validated on what your struggles are without feeling that you're going to be the talk of the office or the talk of the church or the talk of the family. It's a private place because something like this doesn't require therapy. Now, if we find some things out along the way, then that would be a suggestion made to you. But this area right here, we can help you on right from, from grassroots coaching. So thirdly, they offer feedback and reflection, objective feedback is essential for self-awareness, which is a foundational aspect of EI. A life coach provides honest and constructive feedback, helping you gain deeper insights into your emotions and behaviors. Through guided reflection, you learn to recognize patterns, triggers, and areas where change is needed. That's the part I like. I love when I see a client light up. When I see the light comes on in their eyes, when they're able to say, wow, I recognize my patterns. I see where this is a trigger. And then I can begin to be ready, accepting the fact that there's areas where I need to address and change is needed in my life. Number four, they offer emotional support. Emotional intelligence encompasses not only understanding your emotions, but also managing them effectively. Life coaches offer emotional support during challenging moments. You'd be surprised how many of those come up teaching you coping strategies and stress management techniques. Their presence empowers you to navigate difficult emotions and resilience and composure. How many know we need composure? And number five, communication skills. Effective communication is a vital component of EI. A life coach helps you develop and refine your communication skills, both in expressing your own emotions and understanding others. You'll learn to foster empathetic connections, resolve conflicts, and build healthier relationships. I hear right there at the end of that statement, I wish above all things that you empathize in your connections, resolve conflicts, and build healthier relationships, even as your soul prosperous. I hear that statement in there. That's a lot of what y'all have put in on the chat tonight. You want to resolve conflicts, healthier relationships. Number six, and the final one for this part, goal setting and progress tracking. Together with your life coach, you'll set clear EI goals and milestones. Your coach guides you in defining what success looks like and helps you track your progress. Achieving these milestones boosts your confidence and motivation. In Emotional Intelligence for Mental Wellbeing, a life coach's guide, you'll explore the significant role of a life coach and what they play in enhancing your emotional intelligence. You'll witness real life success stories, illustrating how the guidance of a skilled coach can lead to lasting transformations. With the support of a life coach, you'll unlock your full potential and embark on a journey towards a happier, healthier life. Before we begin, let me address something. A statement that comes up many times with clients. They often point a lot of us love to point the finger. They are so emotional. I just don't deal with all that emotion. Let me speak to that. 
It's possible for someone to believe that they don't deal with emotions and everyone else is just emotional. But this belief often stems from a lack of your own self-awareness or an attempt to suppress or even deny your emotions even exist. Many have learned from childhood to suppress emotions. Many people, believe it or not, will only show a couple of emotions. And the top emotion that people will show is anger. Anger. They can be angry, but they can't be joyful. They can be angry, but they can't be forgiving. They can be angry, but they can't celebrate. That's usually an emotion. And it's a secondary emotion. We'll talk about those as well as we get on this journey. But a lot, uh, uh, I've met a lot of people who in their homegrown households growing up, they had to suppress emotions. That doesn't hurt. Stop being a big baby. Your sister didn't respond like that. Your brother didn't act like that. And that's where a lot of this comes from, where you think you don't deal with emotions. But let me put an asterisk here in my essay to make it clear to you that those who really believe that they do not use emotions or that they, they stay away from emotions or that they, everyone else is more emotional. They are the most emotional people because of the energy that it takes to deny their emotions, the energy that it takes to suppress their emotions. They lack self-awareness. So they can see where everyone else, my, my husband is so emotional. My wife is so emotional. The kids are so emotional. My boss, they're all so emotional. I don't understand why people do all this with their emotions. You lack self-awareness because self-awareness would show you, you have to exert so much emotion to suppress and deny your own. We're going to deal with that because the God-given reality is that every human experience, emotions. To some degree, and emotions are natural part of the human experience. Here's a few reasons why someone might believe they don't deal with emotions. Number one, as we discussed, emotional suppression. Some individuals consciously or unconsciously suppress their emotions, believing that ignoring or avoiding them is a way to cope with life challenges. They may convince themselves that they are not affected by emotions when in fact, they are simply pushing them aside. Number two, limited emotional awareness. Some people may not have developed a high level of emotional intelligence awareness and may struggle to identify and understand their own feelings. As a result, they might not realize the extent to which emotions influence their thoughts, behaviors, and decisions. That's right there what I was talking about. Number three, coping mechanisms. Certain coping mechanisms such as emotional detachment or numbing can create the illusion that a person is not dealing with emotions. These mechanisms can provide temporary relief from emotional distress, but are not sustainable in the long term. Fourthly, social and family conditioning, societal and cultural norms in some environments discourage the open expression of emotions, particularly certain negative emotions like sadness or vulnerability. This can lead individuals to believe that they should not deal with emotions openly. Number five, a fear of vulnerability. That's a big one. Some individuals may associate emotions with vulnerability and perceive vulnerability emotions as a weakness to protect themselves from perceived weaknesses. They may convince themselves that they don't deal with emotions. It's essential people. 
my 2024 detoxers. It's essential to understand that emotions are a fundamental aspect of being human and they play a crucial role in our mental and physical well-being. So denying them or suppressing emotions can have adverse effects on mental health and relationships. Acknowledging and dealing with emotions in healthy ways is an important part of emotional intelligence and your overall personal growth. If someone believes they don't deal with emotions, it may be helpful for them to engage in some self-reflection, seek support from a therapist or counselor, or explore mindfulness practices to enhance their emotional awareness and coping skills. On that note right there, is there anyone in the chat that would be willing to just post up in there? How was it in your home growing up, the dynamics of your household emotionally, were you allowed to express emotions? And then the second part to that is, if so, how were your emotions validated? Were you able to share your emotions? And if so, were they validated? So you could say that you um, um, are hurting, but were they validated? Did they make fun of you? Did they pick on you? Did they make you feel as though you were weak? And so now today in your life, you see emotions as a weakness instead of seeing an emotion, emotion being expressed as a strength. Let me see in the chat here. What are we saying? Not allowed to show a lot of fear, not able to share emotions. Fear of vulnerability, my area of needed work. Very good. Ralphie said his experience is creating a wall to protect his emotions. Very true. And I'm sure that started in childhood. It starts early in our lives. Thank you all for sharing your vulnerability here with us tonight. Chevelle says, I could share my emotions, but was told how I should feel about what happened. Yeah, I just went through that too with um, uh, someone that I know had lost their child and um, someone was kind of ministering to them and they made a statement like, um, you know, you shouldn't feel like that. And we have to allow people to feel whatever it is that they're feeling. We have to allow them to express it and then walk them through a better expression that works better for them. Acknowledge what they're feeling. Don't tell anyone to change it. And once they acknowledge it and they feel like you've heard them, then they can usually progress on to a healthier way to handle situation. Mm hmm. Mm, yes, I understand. Thank you, John Booker. Thank you, Ralphie. I'm reading your comments. Very good. Awesome, guys. You, you all are doing really, really good. Trying to go slower tonight. Last night I had a deadline to make, so I was really speeding through. But I wanted to take my time tonight with you. Um, how many think that culturally, your culture, whether you're Caucasian or Black American or Hispanic, culturally, what is your cultural experience regarding your emotions? You think that there was something in your culture? Mm, Raisha said, I feel like my vulnerability will be used against me later. And it may. It may. Let me, let me, uh, let me lean into that. Let me address that. It may happen but it should not change the fact that you are expressing your authentic self. That's their problem. If they have a problem with you sharing your vulnerability. So that's part of the, um, the self-awareness and the self-love 
where you have to be okay with however they respond to you and however they think of you. You have to be okay with that. If you have expressed your authentic self to them, there's nothing that you need to tuck away and do not fear vulnerability because it's going to be perceived as weakness. That's not your problem. You know, you're not weak. Men don't cry. Come on, Terry. Oh my God. Our brotherhood is still suffering from that one today. Yeah. A lot of us was taught that emotions was a sign of weakness and that is so unhealthy for us. So we're going to deal with that. All right. Let's go to chapter one. We made it to chapter one, understanding emotional intelligence. Now you're going to need to take some notes. Emotions are a fundamental part of the human experience. They color our interactions, shape our decisions, and influence the quality of our lives. So we need emotions from this one statement. We all should be able to accept tonight that we need emotions. They bring the color to our lives. They shape our decisions and they influence the qualities of our lives. Yet. For many, emotions remain mysterious and at times overwhelming. How do you navigate this complex landscape and what role does emotional intelligence play in achieving a happier and healthier life? Well, first, let's be clear. Let's define emotional intelligence. Let's be clear tonight. So our note number one, emotional intelligence, also known as EI or EQ, is the key to unlocking the secrets of emotional well-being. It's the key. If you are lacking emotional well-being, we are going to give you the key. We're going to open doors in these 30 days. At its core, here's the definition. EI is the ability to recognize, understand, manage, and use emotions effectively. That's what you want right there. It's a skill that can be developed and honed over time, and it's closely tied to your mental health. So what is EI? When you have EI, you have the ability to recognize, understand, manage, and use emotions effectively. That's a whole conversation in itself right there, because what is it that we use emotions for now? Is that a discussion we need to have quickly? What comes to your mind when I ask the question, how do you tend to use emotions now? Where do you express your emotions at? Do you know when we have clients that have trouble crying or they have trouble remembering or uh, they have trouble letting out anger, we assign certain movies for them to watch. And most people are able to get their expressions out in a movie or a book. Um, there are some people... We call them um, regular funeral goers. They have so much sadness and grief in their life that they've never been able to, to manifest. They go to funerals and they cry and they cry more for the stranger at a funeral than they have for themselves because they were taught they have to have a reason to cry. Isn't that amazing? The things that our body would do don't really have a place to express emotions. Movies do it for me though. Okay. So you found the movies. Some use emotions for manipulation. If you're a mom, you cannot be tired of parenting. All right. Y'all getting real tonight in our voice. Thank you, Terry. Absolutely. Stand, manage, and use emotions effectively. That is correct. I can't do funerals and I don't know why. I think that's probably why. 
Renee, you may hold in your emotions and the funeral triggers those emotions. And you have probably done a really good job at keeping your emotions at bay and funerals are just overwhelming for you. And it's probably, I'm just doing a little profiling right now. It's probably more than about the current funeral that you could be attending. It's years of stuff. See, there's events that actually trigger us. Birthday parties, funerals, weddings. These are triggering for us, believe it or not. That's right, Ralphie. And that's where we're heading into. If there's no emotions, you can't be empathetic. And empathy is really, really important. Powerful. Thank you guys for your vulnerability tonight. I appreciate you. So let's talk about the four pillars, the four factors of EI. And we have to keep pushing these because this is a foundation. It needs to be a foundational course that we start training you all in because self-awareness, self-regulation, empathy, and relationship management, yes, they're important to emotional intelligence, but they're extremely important to your life, to the abundant life that we've been promised. So EI consists of four primary factors. One is self-awareness. This involves recognizing and understanding your emotions as they arise. It's the ability. You hear that? You have to learn this ability. It's the ability to name what you're feeling and why you're feeling it. Self-awareness forms the foundation of emotional intelligence because it sets the stage for the other components. So if you're not very self-aware, and if you've had to always bury your emotions, your self-awareness is taking a hit from that. So you might want to write that down as well. I want to work on self-awareness. And if you want to get some coaching or you want to do some self-help, we have all the books for you to start the journey. All the books for you to start your journey. We can take you through them because reading a book from cover to back cover really doesn't do it. You need an experienced professional to go through with you and show you the, the nuggets and the wisdom and where a word actually can be unpacked in a paragraph instead of just saying, oh, I read the whole book. You can't do that. Not with these types of material, not with, with life coaching anything regarding self-awareness. Number two, self-regulation. Check this out. Once you are aware of your emotions, you can manage them effectively. First, you got to be aware. Then you need to be able to manage them. Self-regulation is about controlling impulsive reactions and responding in a balanced and adaptive way. It's the power. Somebody say power. It's the power to choose your emotional response rather than being at the mercy of your feelings. How many feel that they need some help with self-regulation? Do you feel that you are at the mercy of your feelings? Yes, it's a power. Good notes. I like what I see. How many need self-regulation? How many you either implode or you explode? Yeah, Ralphie, you're doing really good. Yeah, power to choose. Did you realize, hey, Kiki, did you realize that you can choose your emotion? You do not have to respond defensively. You choose to respond defensively every single time. You literally choose. And this is why I have to work with people for years to get people to understand there's always a choice. You just refuse to change your default response. Why are you responding negatively? Well, if they didn't say it to me, how old are you? Are you in charge of people? Are you leading people? Are you teaching people? Are you ministering to people? And that's your attitude? 
No, 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 no. This group here, this group of 129, we're not doing that. We're not doing that. We are not going to not be our authentic self as an excuse because I'm responding for them. If they didn't hit me, mommy, I wouldn't hit them back. If they didn't take my two, I wouldn't hit them back. Didn't we grow up out of that yet? There's always a choice. You just don't realize it because you're used to your default choices. And we need to work on what are your default responses? Learn the power to choose. You know, even from, from a church aspect, you know, people would say, um, well, I couldn't help myself um, because things are just getting so good. And the worst and even disrespectful, I don't want to hurt anyone's feelings who said it, and maybe I didn't hear it. But one of the most disrespectful things somebody can say is, well, I'm just going to do this and pastor or apostle can rebuke me later. Huh? That's the sign of a person that doesn't have self-regulation. They have no control over themselves, that they're willing to do something that they know is bad or wrong. And you know that they know it because they make this, this statement before they even do it. And then they're telling you, oh, you can rebuke me later or correct me later. Huh? That is so uncool and it is so disrespectful. I know this is wrong, but I'm not going to highlight that this is wrong, but I'm going to go ahead and do something anyway. And then you can rebuke. So you're telling me when I can rebuke you. You're telling me when I can correct you. No, we don't do things like that. You need self-regulation. You do not have the authority in every position in your life to decide how you're going to respond in a professional situation when you've been given literature or training in how to respond. That's very disrespectful. And I haven't heard anyone has said it in years, but I know it's a statement that goes around. You have to learn self-regulation. No, 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 no. You can't blame your response. I know they were wrong and I know they were evil and I know they intended you harm. I know that. I know them. But why are you responding like that? That's not what we do. Okay. Self-regulation. And the big one, the big one that I've seen a lot of my ministers go through my head as I was studying empathy's research to write the book, empathy is the ability to understand the emotions and perspective of others. Highlight that in your book. Write it down in your notes section of your journal. Empathy is the ability to understand the emotions and perspectives of others. So you live in a bubble. That's why it's hard for you to empathize. That's why it's hard for you to understand. They should know better. Why do you assume someone should know better? Empathy gives you the ability to understand the emotions and perspective of others. Didn't say agree, but the ability to understand. I can empathize with you. I can't. I'm going to disagree with you, but there's no reason for me to pop out of myself and show my flesh because we don't have an agreement here. I can empathize with where you're coming from. It's about recognizing and connecting with the feelings of those around you. How hard is it for you to empathize? And be honest, again, safe space, no judgment. Again, this is something that usually, if you didn't learn it as a child, it's very hard for you when you grow up. Empathy forms the basis for healthy relationships. People love to be around empathetic people. And there's a term that has hit the cliche realm where we hear a lot. Now, I'm an emp. I'm an emp. Don't always buy it. 
I've talked to them. They don't even know what empathy is. Empathy forms the basis for healthier relationships and effective communication. How many feel that you are able to recognize and connect with the feelings of people around you? Jerry says, it's not hard when you have been through some things. Okay, that's good. That's me. I feel like I always empathize and understand where people are coming from. Okay, so no one's really struggling struggling with being empathetic. All right, let's go to the fourth one. Relationship management. This is where we all want to prosper here. Relationship management. Building on empathy. Relationship management is the skill of using emotional awareness to navigate and nurture your interactions with others. It encompasses effective communication, conflict resolution, and the ability to foster positive relationships. How many here are struggling in your relationships and you really want positive relationships? You, you don't really want to change the people. You just want the relationship to be positive. How many can say that? Someone said, this is a big one for me. I empathize with others also. I know what it feels like. Mm -hmm. Hmm. Okay. Your comments are interesting. Relationship management. So the four pillars to emotional intelligence is self-awareness, self-regulation, empathy, and relationship management. Self-awareness involves the bedrock of emotional intelligence. It's the ability to recognize and understand your own emotions as they arise. Self-aware individuals possess a deep sense of introspection. They're always looking inward, allowing them to identify and name their feelings accurately. Why does self-awareness matter? Without self-awareness, it's challenging to navigate the intricate web of emotions that shape our thoughts and behaviors. Being in tune with your emotions provides the clarity needed to make informed decisions. Who was on here tonight said they want to make more informed decisions? Manage stress effectively. Who was on here talking about stress management? And cultivate some resilience in your life. This is why self-awareness matters. It teaches you to be in tune with yourself, with your emotions. And then there's the self-regulation component. Once you've gained an awareness of your emotions, the next pillar is self-regulation. It's a skill of managing your emotions. Start having outbursts, particularly during challenging or stressful situations. It's the ability to exert control over impulsive reactions and make thoughtful choices in response to emotional triggers. Can anyone on here identify your last emotional trigger and how did you respond? You can usually tell that it was an emotional response because of the way you responded. And now I'm helping you become self-aware that you had an emotional trigger, not just a regular trigger, not like, like a psychotic trigger. You had an emotional trigger because of the way you were responding. Who on here can remember yesterday, not good. Yeah, come on. Outburst. Mm-hmm. I slammed the door. Mm-hmm. Yep. Emotional triggers. Do you know why you were triggered for those that are answering me now? Do you know why you were triggered? Not, don't, don't say, well, they did that. No, 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 no. This is deeper. Triggers have been there. That, that hot button that something touched been there. The things that the event and the issues and the people that touched it, they're just a, a tool. What's the trigger 
that was happening on the inside of you? What did they bring up in you? I hung up the phone and didn't speak for three days. Ooh, you're an emotional stonewaller. It's all right. You're not alone. Mm-hmm. But do you know what triggered you? Think deeper. Think deeper than their, their action. What was it that really triggered you that was deeper than their action? Whatever e event it was or the person that was involved, what was deeper about it? Can you take a time, a moment to think about that? And if not, I want you to think about it over tonight, tomorrow when you're journaling, walking your 15 minutes. I want you to think about it because it triggered an emotional response for something else that's already there. Something's already there. They don't have that much power, trust me, over you. Something was already there. Yeah, somebody says manipulation. So I bet you, you are fed up with manipulation. And when you detect it, or perceive that it could be manipulation, you blew up and it may not have been a manipulation. Someone said on here, disrespect, right? So you have felt disrespected in your life, somewhere in your lifeline. We're going to do a lifeline as well. You felt disrespected. So whenever you feel or perceive disrespect, you lash out. You see how something's already there. This person is what we might call the straw that broke the camel's back. The camel was already having back problems, but that was the straw that hit it. This is already in you. Wow. I'm reading yours, Dominique. Yeah. Another one says disrespect. I want you feeling unheard. I, I run into that one a lot. And people who feel unheard usually can get very aggressive. Everyone doesn't fall back. So people get very aggressive. They get loud or they'll keep talking when everyone else is talking because they feel so unheard all the time that they'll talk over people and they're still unheard, but they're trying to figure out how to be heard. I want you all to think with what you posted up on here tonight. I've been lied to, betrayed. I felt belittled. So where have you felt belittled in your life? This is the question that I'm going to pose tonight. A45, we're doing okay. I want to pose this question for us all tonight. When you look at what you typed in the chat. I want you to ask yourself this question. This is what I do with clients. When do you remember this first happening to you? No one, not until I married him or her. Mm -mm. Calm down, self-regulate. Come on, mindfulness. Think of the goodness, self-regulate and let that thought, let that memory come up. Where did this first happen to you? It was not this person. Where did you feel worthless and lied to in your life before? Where did you feel unheard, betrayed? Yeah, in your childhood. But what's the event? Go back to the event because that's where we've got to take your power from. Because you're responding from a childhood issue for something that you perceive to be the same response today because it looks familiar or it seems familiar in your mind. Do you understand why we have bad decision-making or we struggle with self-regulation? Because most of the things that are triggering us are triggering something that's already been in us. Wow. So that's the question I want you to write. Write that in your journal, if you will. If you have a notebook, that's fine as well, too. From the notes and the takeaways, I want you to write here, when did I first experience this? 
Some people might say a week ago, a month ago, they may say when they got married, when they first started dating, go back, go back in your mind, give yourself time. Don't rush it. Go back in your mind, do the work and figure out when did this first happen to me? This I didn't. And usually you will know because you didn't respond appropriately to the current issue. You came with a tornado for something that you could have said. Psh. Yeah. Okay, good. You guys are writing some good stuff on the screen. So with what you wrote, go into your notes and I want you to put down, when did this first happen to me? Where can I recall? How far back can I recall that this first happened to me? Because that's what we're really dealing with. And that's where you and I, that's where your work begins. So why does self-regulation matters? Self-regulation matters because self-regulation empowers you to prevent emotional outbursts. Do we have any emotional outburst people online tonight? Let me see you. Who are you? Emotional out. And I don't mean like you slam the door, you slam the cabinet. You do it all the time. Are you, are you on here tonight? Who are the people who respond emotionally in outbursts? Yeah. Come on, Stacy. I see you. Destiny, come on. I see you. Mm-hmm. People know you for even responding with an outburst. Yeah, you're fighting for something more than this person that you're having this issue with is even aware of. So to prevent emotional outbursts, impulsivity, and rash decision-making, self-regulation allows you to respond thoughtfully rather than reacting impulsively, leading to healthier interpersonal interactions and greater emotional stability. And empathy, which we said is the third pillar, why does empathy matter? Because empathy is the bridge that connects us to others on a deeper level. It fosters trust, enhances communication, and strengthens relationships. Empathetic individuals are more adept at resolving, resolving their conflicts. Highlight that in your book. You see that? I think it's page 45. Empathetic individuals are more adept at, at resolving conflicts. So your issue with conflict may be that you're not empathetic. And please, again, make a note, look up sympathy. Sympathy is different than empathy. A lot of us can sympathize, but a lot of us lack empathy. Building connections and creating a supportive social network. Relationship management, which is the fourth pillar. It builds upon the foundation of empathy because no one wants to be in relationship with someone who can't be empathetic. It involves a skill of effectively navigating and nurturing relationships. This includes the ability to communicate assertively, resolve conflict constructively, and build positive and lasting connections with others. Am I, is the other person in your life, in your relationship, or those that you would like to broaden your network to this year? You want to reach out and gain different friendships or be open to different networks. Are they worth to you, you building this skill this core skill of empathy so that you can have better relationships. Why does relationship management matter? Our lives are woven together with the threads of relationship. Can't do without them. And our ability to manage and foster these connections greatly impact our mental well-being. Effective relationship management leads to more fulfilling personal and professional interactions, reduce stress, and a deeper sense of belonging. Um, let's see where I want to go so we can get ready to wrap it down for tonight.
All right. This is where we're going to go. I believe it's page 47. People with higher emotional intelligence tend to experience some of these. Write down the ones that apply to you. People with higher emotional intelligence tend to experience lower levels of stress and anxiety. Because mm, I saw that in the chat. Improve relationship regulation and resilience. Hmm. Healthier relationships and social connections. Enhance decision-making abilities. Mm. I saw that one in the chat. Greater life satisfaction and well-being. Probably not. It's probably why we're all here. So now that we can understand that we didn't assess high on the people with high emotional intelligence experiences, let's talk about the good news. And the good news is that emotional intelligence is not a fixed trait. It's a skill that can be, it not just can be, it must be cultivated and improved. This book, these 30 days is our guide to developing and enhancing our emotional intelligence to experience the benefits it can bring to our mental well-being. This, this excerpt introduces the concept of emotional intelligence and its components, emphasizing its impact on our mental well-being. It sets the stage for the rest of the book where you, the readers, will learn how to develop your emotional intelligence for a happier and healthier life. Understand tonight, another note I want you to write down. Emotions are an intricate and inherent part of the human experience. I think I saw Ralphie write that in the chat earlier. They color the tapestry of our lives, influencing our decisions, shape our interactions, and often dictating the quality of our existence. Whether we experience joy, anger, sadness, or love, emotions play a profound role in defining who we are and how we engage with the world around us. Yet, for many, emotions remain enigmatic, at times overwhelming and frequently misunderstood. How do we navigate this intricate landscape of emotions that we keep talking about? What role does EI play in our pursuit of a happier, healthier life? We're going to find out. So when we define emotional intelligence, we have to remember self-awareness, self-regulation, empathy, and relationship management. Those are all important to us. It's important because this concept of emotional intelligence, it's not a recent re re revelation. I don't know if y'all have noticed on social media, when I have gone on a couple of times this year already, I see a lot of people talking about emotional intelligence. And I think this might be something that birthed from COVID, being in the house together, learning to work from home. You know how hard it is for an extrovert to work from home? An extrovert will go through so many mental health challenges trying to work in the confines of a room by themselves all day when they get their fuel from being out with people. You know, a, a lot of things came through with COVID that we're now we're dealing with now, but it's not a recent re revelation. We're just seeing more about it now. It has been studied and explored for decades with a growing body of research shedding light on its significance. What this research has uncovered are the profound connection between emotional intelligence and our mental health. Do you know that you can improve your mental health if you take these 30 days seriously? You can improve your mental health just by honing in on this skill of EI. Individuals who possess higher levels of emotional intelligence tend to experience a range of mental health benefits that a lot of other people do not. 
One, lower levels of stress and anxiety. Take the time to read it in your book. Improved emotional regulation, healthier relationships and social connections, enhanced decision-making abilities, greater life satisfaction and well-being. Isn't that powerful? In Emotional Intelligence, this life coach guide, we are now delving into the four components of emotional intelligence, providing you with the tools and knowledge you need to strengthen your emotional intelligence and enhance your mental well-being. This is not just about being more intelligent. This is not just being um, better emotionally. I want to enhance your mental well-being by the end of these 30 days. By the time you finish this book in these 30 days, you will be equipped. If you give me this time, you will be equipped with the skills to recognize, understand, manage, and use your emotions effectively. I want you to point to yourself and say, my emotions. Let's deal with self-regulation. They're my emotions. When you take ownership of something, it, 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 it sends a message to your inner self that it's mine so that I have control over it. When, when you argue with someone, you can't say, these are my emotions, my emotions. These are mine. How am I going to respond? How do I want to be remembered? How do I want to show up? What's the reputation that I'm trying to build or rebuild amongst the people again? My emotions. These are my emotions. I have to take responsibility for them and I can't blame anyone for how I respond. My emotions. Come on and say it. My emotions. All right. We're going to stop here, I believe, for tonight. And <clears throat> we're going to pick up again on tomorrow. We're going to scan through chapter two. And when we get through chapter two, um, I hope we can get through it to tomorrow because the biggest parts, you know, a lot of this you're all going to read at home. But the biggest part I want to really get to, if not by tomorrow, by the following night, I want to get to those triggers. I want to talk about those triggers. Ooh, triggers. How many of us have them? Triggers. Triggers. I want to get to those triggers. And there's, you know, there's, um, there's a superficial thing with triggers. Some of the things we call triggers aren't really triggers. Um, I will delve into that just probably with two lines for you to write down in your book. What are the real psychological triggers? And when we say, oh, I was triggered you know, by something that didn't pull back a memory. Triggers pull back a memory of something that's already there. We could say, mm, I was triggered. Um, I smelled those apple pies when I walked by the bakery and I was triggered. I had to go in and get one. That's not a trigger. It might be a call and response, but it's not a trigger. A trigger is when I smelled those apple pies, it took me back to my grandmother's house. And I remember sitting at the table, blah, 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 blah. That's a trigger. A trigger responds and brings forth a memory that was buried, or even if it wasn't buried. But triggers, they're real. And we really lighten the definition of them when we water them down the way we do. They're real. People with PTSD will tell you about triggers. All right. We're going home now. Please be nice to everyone in the parking lot as you leave tonight. Be courteous and let everyone drive out in front of you. Don't blow the horn at anyone. Wave at someone tonight. It's important. Read chapter two. We'll begin that again tomorrow. And I pray for your health. I pray for your wealth. I pray for your finances. Um, I noticed a few people 
They cash apped last night thanking me for the lesson. If you'd like to sow a seed, please feel free to do so. Oh, they have it on the screen. Cash app, doc, dollar sign, Dr. Suzanne M. Howard. The PayPal is up there. Um, and that's just, it's up to you. It's nothing. This is what I do every year and we're supposed to give back. But I thank you for those that realize the power in sowing. And I thank you for those that realize the power in keeping this type of stuff going on for us. We're going to heal marriages. We're going to strengthen unions and families. And we're going to begin to be self-aware so we can self-regulate ourselves. Come on, my emotions. One more time. Come on, my emotions. I wish above all things that you prosper and be in good health, even as your soul prospers. God bless you and good night. Dr. Suzanne Howard is happy to have shared this time with you. To get more information on solutions and personal development, coaching, and counseling of the soul, go to www.suzannemhoward.com. You can also find her on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and Periscope. Thank you for tuning in with us.